Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, where we talk about the ins and outs of money, pretty much everything on the sun that relates to you having a happier, healthy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to appreciate you all for sharing us with your friends and family. We're well over 600,000 listeners here in the United States, and our overseas audience just keeps growing and growing. We've got a wonderful show for you, but last week we had Jonathan Droats. He was the area manager for Synergy One Lending. He walked us through what happened earlier in the year in 2022, what happened through the end of the year when mortgage rates went up, what's going on at the environment, the whole shot. You really want to go check out that episode. And if you do, just go to the savingwithsteve.us. That's the savingwithsteve.us website for more information, shows, guest gifts, and so on. On top of that, you can still get in contact with us to take a look at our December gifts and get those special discounts. For Breeze, a wonderful place to go for cookies and treats and stuff like that. Again, you'll get that Saving with Steve discount 2020. Just want to go to the resource page there. Today, I'm going to be talking about 2023 wellness goals. One of the big things is occurring right now is what's going on with economics. And today I'll be talking about 2023 financial wellness goals. I just want to set this up properly. Incomes are stagnating. Middle-class jobs are disappearing. Economic growth is slowing. And the meager gains are mostly going to those who are already wealthy. More Americans than ever are frustrated by the direction in which we are headed We have our wonderful guest, Howard Yaris. He's the author of the book, Understandable Economics. The goal is to replace the frustration with practical understanding of our economy and empower readers to identify and advocate for better approaches to problems that they face. This is a wonderful book. You want to go check it out. It has a 4.9 star rating at Amazon. You don't get 4.9 star ratings with an economic book. It's really very important because Howard's going to be talking to us about, is our national debt a threat? He's going to be talking to us about, do tax cuts for wealthy create jobs or do they just build more inequality? One of the big questions that our readers really wanted to have answers is, could alternative currencies like Bitcoin actually replace the dollar. So we're going to be talking about those things and more. I want to introduce you to Howard Yarzis. Howard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Great to be here. I'm actually very excited for you to be here. Now, for those of you who don't know, Howard Yarzis is an economics professor, attorney, businessman, activist who greatly enjoys explaining complex issues in a clear, interesting, and easy, accessible way. He has taught a variety of courses on economics and business, currently teaches at New York University. He previously served as an executive vice president and general counsel for the rating group. 
They are the largest grantor of debt in the world. He also serves on a numerous boards. And he's an advocate for safer streets, help the homeless, and supports the arts. Howard, we're really glad to have you. This understandable economics and understanding our economy is a lot easier than a lot of people think because I talk to people every day. They just don't get it. It's one of those things where they don't understand what's going on. One of the things that I'd like to start with, and it's the biggest question that everybody wants to know from our listeners is they see the national debt. It's in 30 plus trillions of dollars. And they want to understand, hey, is that a threat? So I just wonder if you could just start right there. The way I address it in understandable economics is I can't get my head around the difference between 10 trillion, 20 trillion, 30 trillion. It all sounds like an inconceivably large number to me. So what I do in the book is I break it down on a per person basis. And per American, it's $68,000. I know exactly what $68,000 is. I can get my head around it. I can decide if it's too much or too little. Now, is it too much? Um, Your opinion may differ from mine. All I could point out is that almost everyone who went to medical school, almost everyone who started a business, and almost everyone who bought a home has a debt even larger than that. I think it comes down to, is that money being wasted? Are we just pushing expenses? expenses on to our children that we don't feel like paying? Or are we using it to invest in roads, in education that's going to pay off big time down the road? It's like any debt. It's a question of what you're doing with it. With If you took $68,000 out to go to medical school, no one would say you're wasteful. But if you took $68,000 of debt out to feed a drug addiction or to go on some extravagant vacation, yeah, it's wasteful. So the question is, what are we doing for the money? That said, um, we, we can each have our own opinion as to what, what, what the government's been doing. But the point is, it all comes down to what we're doing with the money. If we're investing it wisely in roads, in infrastructure, and in education, yeah, it makes sense. If not, no, it doesn't make sense. So that's, that's, that's how I look at it on a per-person basis. Also, there's a question of the debt service. It costs each American roughly $1,050 a year to pay the interest on that debt. Is that a bankruptcy-inducing existential crisis? Not really. Uh, it's it's a fair amount of money. Uh, it's it's a it's a a lot of money to some people. But again, it's not the bankruptcy-inducing existential crisis that a lot of politicians who are in favor of cutting spending would make it out to be. The point that I like to make in the book and that I like to make when I speak about this is it comes down to what the money is being spent on. If it's being something, Head Start, for instance, they've estimated it has a 13% ROI return on investment. Mm -hmm. That's a no-brainer. But just pushing our expenses for programs onto our children, that doesn't make sense. So it comes down to what we're spending the money on. I totally agree with that because debt is a tool. If used properly, people have become very wealthy but in the same token, sometimes there is frivolous spending and, you know, everybody, we can, we can go down that tangent, but we won't. Uh, so you really have to take a look at what, like you said, is what is it being used for? Right. Yep. So that's really the issue. That's what we have to focus on, not necessarily the amount of that. And again, 20 trillion sounds a lot like 30 trillion to me. It's it's inconceivable. I, I use the anecdote in the book of how, of how I was speaking to a congressperson who was saying something was 10 billion, and then someone asked them about it, and they weren't sure if it was 10 billion or 10 
or 10 million. That's like forgetting whether your sandwich at lunch costs $10 or $10,000. It's the same order of magnitude. It's very hard for even the people who control the purse strings to understand the magnitude of these amounts. That's why, again, I like to think of it on a per-American basis. As of recent, we've seen all the cryptocurrency stuff with the FTX and all that stuff. Some people are saying cryptocurrencies on its way out. Some people are still feeling it's a, a currency that could replace the dollar. They see China having their own cryptocurrency. The question comes, could alternative currencies like Bitcoin actually replace the dollar? I don't like giving definitive answers. The whole goal of the book is to educate people so they can reach their own conclusions. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to break my rule and say, <laughs> I don't see how that can possibly be. With regard to the US dollar, we know exactly what the rules are. We know who's controlling it. We know who, who oversees them. We know who appoints them. Who, who is in charge of Bitcoin? I don't know. Uh, no one seems to know. The point is that there can suddenly be an increase in the number of Bitcoin or there are some other problem with Bitcoin. I know they say that can't happen, but who, who, where's the recourse if it happens? Who are you going to sue? Who are you going to contact? No one knows. So this is something that's completely made up. At the beginning, it seemed to be like digital gold, like cyberspace gold. But gold at least has some purpose. It's used in, in some... Uh, industrial applications, and of course, it's used in jewelry. What is Bitcoin used for? Ransoms and murders? It, it just it doesn't seem to have the, any purpose. So my feeling is that Bitcoin and, and the cryptocurrencies in general have had a remarkable run. And everyone that has a proclivity or an interest in investing in this has already investing, invested in it. There's a great anecdote in understandable economics when JFK's, the president's father, was getting his shoe shined right in 1929, and the shoe shine boy, and it was a boy, um, gave him a stock tip. He went back to his office. I don't know if this is apocryphal, but he went. He, the story is he went back to his office and sold off all his stocks, thinking that if the shoe shine boy is investing in the stock market, every last penny was already in the market, and it can only go one way. In my personal opinion, that's where we are with cryptocurrencies today. You know, that's so interesting you say that because over the last three years, I've dealt with a lot of people, whether tax reduction and other things, but there was one gentleman who went, hey, I just bought this at $20,000 and he's all excited. It went up to 60. Well, actually you bought more at 40 and at 50. And he's like, oh, this is great, 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 great. And, you know, I just talked to him on what, a month ago? <laughs> It isn't so, so great. great anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he, he's lost about, oh, 45% of what he actually contributed to it and all that. So it's not that exciting anymore. I think it's important for people to understand what's going on there. Uh, and I'll, I'll just interject. There are a lot of customers of Bernard Madoff for many years were very pleased with their returns. I agree with that because there's no foundation there. What's going to happen? But in the same token, People buy into this enthusiasm that's going there and you get too many talking heads and it gets all excited and stuff like that. And pretty soon everybody's promoting something that doesn't have a foundation and that's Bitcoin. To me, it's it's a big gigantic Ponzi. And every time somebody keeps asking me, this guy's got all his money into it, I go, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> Honestly, no one person who bought into Bitcoin when it was a hundred bucks a piece, 
left his job. He left with like $30 million and he goes, no, I'm out of Bitcoin. Good for him. <laughs> I'm Good done. For him. And I'm saying, congratulations. You're the only one. I was just like very shocked. He's very well off. And but remember, it's a zero sum gain. His gain is someone else's loss. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally it's agree. not like investing in some kind of stock in on the New York Stock Exchange where they create profits and create value. If hopefully, if you invest in the right company and create mm -hmm. value every year, this is literally a zero sum game. It's a really interesting question. I'm glad you're actually saying that because one, we're going to have to take a break right now. <laughs> Two, I want to talk about a little bit more. So everybody stick with us. We'll be right back with more Howard Yaris. He's got a wonderful book called Understandable Economics. It makes it easier for everybody to understand what's going on. You can get it on Amazon. It's got a wonderful rating. So stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on The Saving with Steve Show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Welcome back to the Saving with Steve show where we're talking about ins and outs of money. Pretty much everything under the sun relates to you having a happier, healthy relationship with money. I want to truly thank you for tuning in and letting your friends and family and associates know about the show. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. If you enjoy the stories of helpful information and insights on Saving with Steve, I encourage you to go to YouTube, sign up, register there so you never miss a show. Please check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio. BBS Radio, Talk Radio, New York City, E360 TV, Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of personal financial freedom. You can always go to the Staving with Steve Sex and Facebook page. And let's get back to it with Howard Yarvis. Howard, welcome back to the show. We're glad you're here. Thank you. I want to start. We've been talking about, you know, Bitcoin and all that. But one of the biggest questions that we've got when we polled our listeners is do tax cuts for the wealthy create jobs or just create more inequity? 
that's, that's a, a great question steve and this is a perfect question to show what the benefit of understanding economics can be this is the point i make in the book it doesn't require specialized knowledge it just requires common sense let's work through this so you give a tax cut to a wealthy person a wealthy person has enough money to meet all their needs what do they do with it they save it they don't spend it they just put it in their savings account or buy a stock they don't spend it into the economy what happens when you give a tax cut or a tax credit to a middle income or a lower middle income person or a poor person they spend it almost immediately in fact the poorer they are the more likely they are to spend it quickly what happens when they spend that money into the economy businesses do better businesses grow there's more demand for goods and services and what do businesses do when there's more demand for goods and services they expand they hire more people they put more people on the payroll and then there's a whole nother round of spending as a result of, of that increased economic activity so again this does not require specialized economic knowledge it just requires slowly thinking through what the effects of these two alternatives are and so clearly if you give a tax cut to middle or lower middle income people or lower income people it's going to be spent in the economy resulting in a much more immediate benefit to economic growth and job growth now Good. let's take a tax increase for people who make more money what, what does that mean well if you think about it it's, it's the same logic if you increase taxes on lower income people they're going to cut back on their spending. In fact, they'll probably cut back on the spending, their spending by the exact amount of the tax increase because people on the lower end of the economic spectrum tend to spend all the money they earn. If you increase taxes on the wealthy, they're much less likely to cut back on their spending. If someone's earning several hundred thousand dollars a year and their taxes go up by several thousand dollars a year, they're probably not going to change their lifestyle. But if someone's earning $30,000 a year and their taxes go up a couple of thousand dollars a year, they are very likely to change their lifestyle, resulting in less spending and less income. As the point that's made in the book and that all economists make and is made in Econ 1 is, is spending equals incomes. Without spending, you can't have income. So the economy relies on spending and by by cutting back on spending on by lower income people and middle income people, you're cutting back on incomes. I love that because it's a reality check. We've heard the politicians go back and forth and with their talking points and everything. And when you just listen to what you said, you can see the lack of logic that they have when they make their points. And it's really about inciting somebody. I'll play devil's advocate. They will say, well, where is the money to invest going to come from? By giving tax cuts to the wealthy, there's more money for investment. And my retort to that is, if businesses are not expanding, if consumers aren't buying things, what business is going to borrow money or seek money from a wealthy person to expand? On the other hand, if the average person is spending more money and there's a greater demand for the business's goods, they'll find the money to invest. That money will somehow turn up. The money, if a business is growing, if they need money to produce more goods and services, if the demand's there, the investment money will follow. One of the other questions that we're coming up here with is, why does the economy regularly turn down and how can we get it back on track? We see two years of inflation. Actually, the inflation report showed the only things that went down were used cars and trucks and oil and gas. Everything else went up from an inflationary standpoint. We see lendings down by 30%. Obviously, we're working towards a downturn. 
Why do these come? And how do we get out of it, so to speak? The crypto story on a mass scale. We were talking about crypto before, and we were saying that everyone was all optimistic about it. There was a lot of enthusiasm regarding it. And then as everyone who's potentially investing in crypto invests, the, the increase in the price starts to slow down and, in fact, stagnates. And that's when people start saying, hmm, maybe it's time to sell. And once a few start selling and they start seeing it's like the roller coaster, the, the dip coming, more and more want to sell. And the more who want to sell, there's, in other words, there's a rush for, for the exits. It's the same thing with the economy. The economy grows and grows, and then it sort of reaches a tipping point and, and goes back. This is the ebb and flow of the economy. It's been happening for centuries. Fortunately, it's not as volatile as it was before we had the Federal Reserve. What does the Federal Reserve do when the economy turns down? It makes money cheaper to get people spending again. There's this ebb and flow of the economy. But the point that I always make in the courses, the overall trend is up. It goes, it vacillates up and down, but on average, it goes up over time, which is a great thing because for most of human history, people live, the point I make in the book is how you made a shoe in ancient Rome, how you made a shoe in the medieval period, how you made a shoe in, in the Renaissance was all the same. A cobbler sat there with the same tools. It's only since the industrial revolution in the last couple of hundred years that we, we've had this massive takeoff in productivity. And yeah, again, the economy goes up and down, but we're, almost all of us are so much better off for it. Let's help everybody understand why the Fed has been raising interest rates. We say it's inflation. What's really going on there? What's the cause of all that? I mean, I talked to an 83-year-old lady this morning, and she's like, I just don't understand what's going on. This is something that's not as complicated as a lot of people make it out to be, particularly economists. What is inflation? There's a certain amount of spending in the economy, and there's a certain amount of stuff. And if the amount of spending increases faster than the amount of stuff, prices go up. If the amount of spending increases more slowly than the amount of stuff, you get deflation. And if the amount of spending grows at the same rate, as the amount of stuff is growing, you get stable prices. It's that simple. There's literally nothing more to it. In fact, economists have this line, inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. So that's it in a nutshell. And what have we seen in the last couple of years? We saw an increase in the amount of spending due for a variety of reasons. And we've also seen a, a real problem with producing goods and services. Why? The coronavirus pandemic, obviously, there's the war in Ukraine. The supply chains have been snarled. So that ratio between spending and stuff got messed up a bit, meaning that we have more spending than, than the increase in spending was greater than the increase in stuff causing inflation. And it's coming back into line. I will go out on the limb for a second time. I think we're going to see inflation abating uh, fairly soon. When you say next six, nine months, or? I think we're talking months, definitely not years. Okay, good, good. That's good to know. That's You know what? I think it's very, uh, I'm going to say this. I appreciate the the economics lesson because you just made it real simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was like, you know, me walking into the ice cream shop is that simple. So I, I appreciate that very, very much. And that's Our, the goal of, of the book is to take all of, the, of many of these economic concepts and, and really try to make them understandable um, for most people. You know, this is wonderful. So 
Um, people can get your book on Amazon. Where else Absolutely. can they get your book? Any major bookstore or um, online shop would have the book. Kindle, hard copy, audiobook, we have it all. You're going to want to read this. It'll make a big difference, especially if you're looking to understand what's going on with the economy. And the nice thing about it is you won't fall asleep in 15 minutes because it's somebody from economics. It's actually a fun little book to read. You'll have great stories, great analogies. So you want to go check it out. Again, it's called Understandable Economics. And it says, because understanding our economics is easier than you think and more important than you know by Howard Yars. Howard, I want to thank you again for being here. Just the examples and the explanations you provided made it even easier for me to understand. Which is oh, great. thank you so much. It was great to be here. It was a great conversation. Thank you. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. And I hope you have a wonderful new year. You too. Thanks a lot. Everybody stick with us. We're going to be right back. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of the Saving with Steve show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Welcome back to the show, The Saving with Steve show, where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Just had Howard Yaris here. He's the author of Understandable Economics. You want to check out that book, check out that segment as well. Next, I'm going to be talking about 2023 financial wellness goals. couple things here. First one, increase your savings by 1% in 2023. 1% isn't very much. It probably won't even affect you. But according to Vanguard, when you're looking at a median contribution to an employee's defined benefit plan, which is usually 6%, increasing your contribution just by 1% can potentially mean tens of thousands of dollars more in your retirement account when you're ready to retire. For a person who makes $100,000 a year, the difference between a 6 and a 7% contribution rate over 30 years would be about $70,000. So think of that. Every year you move on, increase it by 1%. Because if you do, you're going to be putting so much more into your retirement fund. And the reality is when you're dollar cost averaging, it's all about accumulation. If you can accumulate 1% more each and every year, you're going to have the option to retire so much sooner. So make sure that's part of your wellness goal. Second, save an extra 50 bucks a month. 
Saving is a habit. The more you save, the better you get at it. And like most things in life, you need to stretch yourself now and every now and then to get even better at it. This month, try and save $50 more than usual. It may not sound like a lot, but it does a couple things. First, it provides you a stretch goal that you can work towards meeting. If you can save an official $50 in January, a month like a holiday bill start arriving, it can help build your financial confidence even more. Next, Pad your savings. This is particularly important when unexpected expenses, emergencies arise like car repairs, health emergencies, the roof leaks because it's January, February, and it's raining. It could give you that little extra so you don't have to dip into the credit cards. And number three, when it comes to wellness, pay off your smallest debt as soon as possible. In fact, it makes sense to start listing all your debts, all the way from the smallest little credit card to the big mortgage that you have or the college loans that you got to pay off. List them all. What's the minimum payment? What is the payment date? And pay as much as you can on that first one while making all the minimum payments on the other. Once you're done with that one, take the money you're paying on that, add it to the second one. Create a big snowball going here and get your debt paid off. Because you know what? It's always better to earn an interest than pay an interest, right? Heck yeah. Because that makes life easier, retirement easier. When you have emergencies, they're easier to afford. I want to thank you for joining us here on Saving with Steve. Appreciate you sharing this with your friends and family. And you know what? We're going to look forward to seeing you next time right here on Saving with Steve. Have a nice night. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton.